Well, this week was an interesting week for me. I told you it's been reflective. It's also been um, unsettling. (laughs) I have had every confidence that God was in my life, involved with my life, ministering to me, close to me. But every time this week that I tried to think about and pray about my sermon, I got a brass ceiling. And I was very, very frustrated. And then my dear sister Elsie called me and said, Pastor Bob, what's the sermon topic in the sermon's t- uh, scripture for the Sunday sermon? And I went, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And I truly didn't. And um, then, was it, you called me twice this week, didn't you? No, it was just, it was just yesterday. Somebody else asked me what my sermon was, and I told them no too, but I honestly didn't know. And I went to bed last night, really frustrated, because it was almost midnight, and I hadn't a clue. And I hadn't been playing. I mean, I wasn't sitting around goofing off, and, and I, I honestly was, I mean, I was going, okay, God, search me, know my heart, is there sin going on that we need to deal with because you're not talking to me? What is the deal, God? Have I offended you in some way? Have I missed something? What is going on, God? And I literally went to bed last night blank, not having a clue what I was supposed to preach this morning. And I got up this morning and I thought, I'm going to wake up. First thought in my head will be the sermon and God will just pour it, download it into my head. Uh, I'm showered, I'm dressed, I'm getting ready to eat breakfast. And I'm like, God, I got three and a half hours left. What am I going to do, God? And the Lord just sat there, just smug, quiet. I'm like, what have I missed? And he was like, when you decided you weren't going to follow the school of prayer outline we discussed months ago, (laughs) did you ask me about it or did you just decide you're not going to do it anymore? I got tired of it, God, and I just decided I wasn't going to do it anymore. Well, then go preach whatever you feel you want to preach. (sighs) Okay, I'll look at it again. And I opened it up to the lesson that I was supposed to be on. And it all downloaded. The Lord just downloaded it to my brain. And it flowed. In less than an hour and a half, it was all done. Everything. I was like, okay, thank you, Jesus. (sighs) Sorry. I won't do that anymore. I swear, I, it was blank. It was like, look, if you don't want to go the direction I want you to go, pick whatever one works for you because I'm not going to point you in another direction. So I was like, okay. So that's where I'm at this morning. We are back with the School of Prayer. And, uh, <laughs> and until God tells me otherwise, we are going to stay with the School of Prayer either till it ends, which would be right before Christmas, or until he tells me otherwise because... Anyways, okay, that was not my sermon, that was just me being transparent with y'all. I need to ask Mary, how's your garden growing? It's kind of slow. It's kind of slow. 
Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow? You're not contrary, though. But seriously, what's going on with your garden right now? Well, because of the rain and the fullness, things have kind of at a standstill. Okay. Do you expect to still get a harvest? Very little. Very little. Okay. Who else is gardening? Uh, Sandy, you've got a garden. How is your garden going? Going slowly. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, it's still growing, but it's not doing what you had hoped. Okay. Those of you who have a community garden, same, same? Or? Still, well, last time I was over there, which was earlier in the week, Wednesday, I think, uh, things were just abounding out of the boxes everywhere. Hmm. Interesting. So yours is doing much better than, than the others, apparently. So you guys have been harvesting stuff already? Okay. Bob, how's Alma's going? Do you, do you have a garden? She has a garden. Her potatoes are green and luxurious, but they were really, they, they're only just now showing flowers, and she won't get potatoes unless they flower, that's what she told me. Mm. And so she was quite concerned, but they're finally putting on flowers. Okay. So, so what I'm hearing you say is that there's the possibility of a harvest, but you're not quite sure you're going to get a full harvest this year. Okay. Isn't it interesting? I mean, you have spent how many weeks and months working and planning? And I know in Alma's case, nursing seedlings, in your case, doing seedlings as well, correct? Oh, that's right. You didn't. You went out and spent good money, hard cash on seedling. I mean, on, on seedlings and then, or not seedlings, but okay. Well, that, it's interesting, and, and Elsie and I, again, Elsie and I talked about it. She did not know what my sermon was going to be, because I didn't know what my sermon was going to be. But look at the front of the bulletin, and what the Lord had her put on the front of the bulletin. I didn't know anything, and he told me, don't put the bulletin on my desk if you get it done early. Yeah, because I didn't want to be influenced by it. And then look at the graphic that I chose, and the topic that we're looking at is a harvest, and gardening and anyway it's in, it was just interesting yeah. we'll, we'll come back to this in a second but I want you guys to look at the statement that's on the board well in a second that's not going to be real easy to read okay I'll read it it is by faith alone that difficulty is overcome when once faith has taken its stand upon God's word and the name of Jesus, and has yielded itself to the leading of the Spirit to seek God's will and honor alone in its prayer, it need not be discouraged by delay. Let's read that one more time. It is by faith alone that difficulty is overcome. When once faith has taken its stand upon God's word and the name of Jesus and has yielded itself to the leading of the Spirit to seek God's will and honor alone in its prayer. The key there is seeking God's will and honor, not the answer to your prayer, okay? But seeking God's will and honor alone when praying, it need not be discouraged by delay. I'm going to ask you in a moment to talk about your thinking on that. To give you a moment to think about it, I want to give you just a short little illustration. But be thinking about, you can multitask, be thinking about this sent, this paragraph and what it means to you while you listen to this.
Just as a farmer has to take 10,000 steps and sow 10,000 seeds, each one being a part of the preparation for the final harvest, so there is a need for oft-repeated persevering prayer. Now these are both quotes from Andrew Murray. The one on the screen is saying that faith alone is faith is all that you need to, to overcome difficulties. And as long as you have taken your stand on God's word, the name of Jesus, and you're seeking the, the honor and glory of God alone by the leading of the spirit, you have nothing to worry about, even if the, the answer comes in a delay, is delayed in its coming. And then the idea of a farmer literally having to take 10,000 steps, planting 10,000 seeds, all hoping for that final harvest. In that same way, there are steps, if you will, of persevering prayer that we need to take when we're looking for the harvest or the answer that we're seeking. So talk to me about that. What is your response to, those, to that thought, those thinking, that thinking? Okay. And we can only do so much and trust the Lord and seek his honor and his glory in it. But it may take years to see the harvest. In those cases, but we never give up. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it doesn't snow, you can take it all the way through till October. God will not delay one moment longer than is absolutely necessary. Do you believe that? He will do all in his power to hasten and speed the answer. Do you believe that? Huh? You don't think he's in a hurry. So to the speed that it needs to be, he will make sure that it's on time. Okay. Do you believe that his power is infinite? then why do we experience such lengthy periods before receiving answers to our prayers? Because his time is not our time. Okay. And sometimes we ask it in the, not necessarily in the right way, but he wants it more specific. Or... Okay. Okay. Or maybe you're not recognizing the answer he's giving you. That's true too. There's that old story about the boat and the two boats and the helicopter for the guy on the roof in the flood. And when he drowned, he says, Lord, I trusted you. He said, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What more did you want? Anyway. Charlene and then Joyce. 
Exactly. Exactly. I used to tell a story uh, years ago when I was teaching a class uh, in the Air Force. We had a little illustration that they wanted us to use. It was a scripted class that we had to do. And um, it was about um, the bamboo plant where farmers who depend on the bamboo for their living, um, if they harvest all that there is without reseeding and replanting, they're not going to have a livelihood. So they have to continually replant that to replace that which, which they harvest. The problem is, and this is what you were talking about, Charlene, um, when you plant a bamboo seed, it takes five years before anything comes up out of the soil because it takes that long for that seed to establish the root system that will sustain that, that 90 foot tall stalk. And so it takes five years of growth without any visible evidence of anything going on. But as soon as that stalk has got the root system in place, in less than 90 days, that's almost a foot a day. How cool. How cool. Well, there's a, there's a scripture in James chapter 5, verse 7. Let me bring it up. It says, See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. Now, that's New International Version. If you were to read the King James Version, it would say, Until he received the early and latter rain. Now, how many of you have ever heard the expression latter rain before? I've only heard it, not in relation to, um, to farming, but I've heard it in spiritual contexts. And I never fully understood what it was until literally this morning as I was sitting over there frantically trying to study this and figure out what God wanted me to say. And this verse actually points back to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 14, where Moses, God through Moses is giving the command, or the promise actually, I will give you the rain of your land in its due season. The first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And the promise of God is, I will give you the rain in its due season. So those of you who have a a garden out there that you're hoping for a harvest, You have a promise of God that he is going to give rain in its due season. But look at this. This is another command from God in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. It says, ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. Now, God made a promise that it'll rain when it's time for it to rain. 
But God through the prophet also commanded for them to, to pray for that rain when you needed the latter rain. The latter rain was the rain that would come just before the time of the harvest. It was the rain that provided that, that they needed to be able to draw up the nutrients into the head of wheat so that it would be ripe and full when it was time for harvest. Now, I am not a gardener. I am not a farmer. I don't understand that process. It's what I learned as I read it. So if I'm speaking something incorrect, you'll have to speak to the person that I read it from. But my understanding is, is that, that this latter rain is, is the idea of God providing that which is necessary before the final making it happen. Okay? And the promise is that it's going to happen. And then you acting in faith on his promise, pray for it to happen. But if God promised it, why do I have to ask for it? You, Sonia, and then Melanie. Yeah, that means you need to ask, you need to pray. Go ahead. I, I, we'll talk about that in a second. Okay, asking doesn't just happen. You have to have faith and ask. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have the faith, then you're going to ask what you've asked. Mm -hmm. How do you know that he even asked it? Or that he even answered it? If you don't have faith that he answered it, you might not even know that it even happened. Okay. So then, can the promise not exist if we don't ask and have faith? No. It's to show his glory. It, it shows his glory if you've asked for it and then it comes then you say thank you God because you asked for it I mean he's going to send it anyway but you're, by asking for it you're, you're, you're giving it I think if you're God. asking for it you're going to recognize that he even sent it well it doesn't mean to ask for it it says ask for what he promised you know we have to ask for our own what we want we want the rain we ask for the rain to come when he what he promised us well, is it, is it appropriate? Let me ask, the, ask this question this way. Is it appropriate for you to say, Father, you have already declared that this is going to happen. I'm, I'm asking you to make that which you promised would happen to happen. going to a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to keep asking. I already said we're going. Why, why does God want us to keep asking if he already said he's going to do it? But maybe, maybe the condition was, I will take you to Alaska land someday in the very near future. You remind me that I promised you that. So you're making, you're, 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 you're developing in them a sense of anticipation and a sense of Enjoyment where it's not something that they have to do because mom said we're going, but that they really want to be part of it and join you in it. Joyce. I think it's, it's a point where you, the difference between expecting God to answer and not taking everything for granted. But when you, because sometimes it's easy to, when you take everything for granted, you don't spend time with God. And he wants us to spend time with him. Mm. Okay. And it says we are laborers together with God. Okay. Charlene? Mm -hmm. 
changing just slightly from this thought that we've been on, a child, when we're talking about harvest, they want to see the fruit right now. They want it right now, right now, right now. And how many of you people have helped children plant something and they're constantly going to see if it's growing and they get discouraged because it's not? <laughs> Someone who has experience as a gardener, who's mature in their, in their gardening, knows you don't mess with the plant. You just leave it, do what God created it to do. And when the right time comes, which you will recognize through your maturity, you will then be able to grab, grab the harvest. Because if you pull the harvest too soon, you won't get the fruit that you desire. Mary. It was like when I went home this year. This young lady came up to me that used to be my aunt's friend and I would say so. No, one of the things that, that, that came out in, in, in my reading, and, and you guys have talked about it a little bit in some of the things you've said. See, uh, Andrew Murray said, there may be things that have to be put right through our prayer before the answer can fully come. It may be, uh, excuse me, that faith that has, according to the command, believed that it is received can allow God to take his time. Let me re-say that because I didn't say that very well. Faith that has believed that it is, has received God's commandment can allow God to take his time because it knows that it has already prevailed and it must prevail. In quiet, persistent, determined perseverance, it continues in prayer and thanksgiving until the blessing comes. So there's this sense of faith and trust saying, Father, I have already pled before you this need. And I don't understand why the delay, but I do know that your word says that if I ask a right, trying to seek your glory and your will and your perfect timing, that I will get what I ask for. So Lord, I'm claiming that promise and I'm coming before you again, just reminding you, this is something I really want. And your word shows me in Luke chapter 18 that it's right for me to come before you again with this request. Because I'm standing on the promise that you gave me. You haven't said no. I'm going to continue to persevere in this prayer until you give me my answer. And I don't necessarily understand, God, why you haven't given me the answer yet. Maybe there's something that still needs to change. For example, how come you haven't given me my sermon yet, God? How come you haven't given me my sermon yet, God? How come you know I got to preach Sunday morning at eight o'clock at 11 o'clock and I want to do your words, God, not me. Well, let's get something right before we can do what we got to do, Bob. So that may be a reason why you haven't gotten an answer yet, because there's stuff that needs to be fixed still. Not necessarily in your life. It may be that all the players aren't in place yet. Who knows? God knows. You just have to trust that his timing is perfect and he will bring about that which needs to happen in its proper time. There is a danger, though, in persevering prayer. It's actually the, the idea of a delayed answer. The, the danger is, is that we have a temptation to think, well, obviously it's not God's will. And I want to share with you through words that my wife is going to speak about this idea of a delayed answer 
and standing firm, even though it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Even though I planted that bamboo seed five years ago and nothing has happened, it must have gotten too much water or not enough sun or there's something wrong with the soil because it's just not working. Renee's going to share with you a story out of our own life. I would prefer. Before we went to Bible college, when we were looking and thinking about looking at direction, one of my biggest concerns was for the girls and what would happen, how it would affect them. And I, that was, that was, uh, you know, I just, Lord, yeah, that was my concern. And at the time, um, I was going through a Bible we had that would give you some scripture to read, and then it would do a devotion about it. And this, uh, this one day I was reading it, and the devotion was talking about using verses of scripture as doubt barriers. And they said, choose a verse from today's reading, or how they said it, uh, that is, um, okay, you can use it out there. And I immediately thought of, this was Genesis uh, chapter 17, verse 7. God's talking to Abraham and said, I will be God to you and to your children and your ch children's children. And the Lord told me, you do what I'm asking you to do by going to Bible college and let me take care of the girls. I said, okay, God. And I didn't really know the significance of that until we were already there and we were, how many years we've been there, but um, Robin began, our oldest daughter, who had been, you know, <laughs> you know, everything in her life was going good and right. And, and we began to see that there was, she was making choices and, and things were happening in her life. And she rebelled. She turned and said, you know, I know this, I know this is what's right and all this, but you know, I, I, I'm going to put God on a shelf, and someday maybe I'll come back, but right now, you know, I don't be a Christian. I can't do what I need to be a Christian, and we went through all kinds of things. Even um, she attempted suicide a couple times, and, um, but each time the Lord reminded me of that promise, and I knew, and in our conversation with her one day, because she was like, you know, and I said, Robin, I, the Lord has promised me that you'll come back. I don't know when and where, and she kind of rolled her eyes like, yeah, right, and I said, I don't know what will happen. It may be, you know, you don't think that, why not? But God's promised me that you'll come back. And each time, you know, there would be times we go through this, I think, God, did I miss up here? Did I misunderstand? Each time he would confirm for me. And this is the first and only time in my life that I've had something so concrete to hang on to. And looking back, I think that was why God knew that all we were going to go through with her, we needed that anchor to hold on to. And God's faithful. And not only did she come back, but even in that rebellion time of her life, God protected her so many and just watched over her life. And it is good. But having that doubt there, that, I, that anchor that I could hold on to, that was, it, it was the, that's the best thing to win that anchor. Thank you. She had that. I didn't. The night that Robin walked out, leaving a note saying she wasn't coming back and don't look for her because she intended to die someplace. I was on the floor in her bedroom in the fetal position. I couldn't talk. I was so devastated. She was the strong one that night. She was consoling me because she had an assurance in, her, in the depths of her soul 
that God had said, this will not happen. Fear not. And she could hold on to it. But we didn't know when. We hadn't a clue when. And as I was reading this morning, Andrew Murray said this, and this is what made me think about asking her to share with you guys. He said, if our prayer is according to God's word and under the leading of the spirit, then don't give way to fear. Learn to give God time. God needs time with us. If we only give him time, that is time in the daily fellowship with himself, for him to exercise the full influence of his presence on us, time day by day in the course of our being kept waiting for faith to prove its reality and to fill our whole being, he himself will lead us from faith to sight. We will see the glory of God. Don't let delay shake your faith. Faith holds good because what happens is first you see the blade, then you see the ear, then the full corn. Each believing prayer brings us one step nearer to that final victory. Each believing prayer helps us to ripen the fruit and bring us nearer to enjoying it. Each believing prayer fills up the measure of faith. It conquers the hindrances in the unseen world. It brings about the end of the problem. Child of God, Give the Father time. He is long-suffering over you. He wants the blessing to not just be a blessing. He wants it to be rich and full and sure. So give Him time while you cry day and night. Just remember His promise. And as I read those words, wow. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith just because he didn't give you the answer in the time you thought. Three years ago, four years ago, a couple named Alfred and Barbara Hill attended our church. They were gifted as intercessors. And one week I had asked them along with some others, to come and pray with me over our church property. And after she, after Barbara was experiencing part of that, she then wrote, <laughs> my printer didn't print it all out. That is too funny. I'll just share with you up to this point and then I'll, may, I'll, I'll rem, from memory, remember the rest of it. It just it stopped. Isn't that crazy? She typed up this and sent it to me, and I've had it in my files ever since. It's called A 21st Century Parable of the Cornstalk. A beautifully green cornstalk grew where it had been lovingly planted in the middle of a large flower box at the entrance walkway of a church building. That's the one right out here. 
Its outward appearance was a delight to the eyes, rising strong and stately amid the lower, growing, vibrantly blooming flowers at its base. However, it was not producing ears of corn, at least not large, healthy ears that could be harvested and eaten. It was therefore deemed to be only for decorative purposes and no further thought was given to it. Then, in July, the pastor of this congregation called for some intercessors who were experienced in spiritual warfare to come and pray with him. He sensed that there were some disturbing spirits sent from the forces of darkness against this church to obstruct agreement, unity, and progress to accomplish some much-needed projects on the church property. The day of prayer took place, and each intercessor went through the building and then went to various places on the property, walking its boundaries, praying as they marched, and declaring the dominion of the Most High God, and at specific locations or specific objects on the property, such as the parsonage, the septic system, um, the church van, etc., and that's the end of what I have in front of me. But Barbara stood before that box and she said that she felt the Spirit of God tell her to prophesy over that corn. Now, that's kind of stupid. Talk to a plant? Hmm. Anyway, and she said, Thus says the Lord, you will not simply be ornamental. But you will do that which he originally created you to do. He says to you, corn, you will be fruitful. And then she said in this parable that a number of weeks later, she came back and indeed those sickly little ears of corn had grown full to full size. And she was so excited and she harvested. She said the Lord told her, harvest nine ears. So she harvested nine ears and she then opened them up and only three of them were full and three of them were partial and three of them showed that they would have been full and, and healthy, but that they were anywhere near ready to be harvested. And she was devastated. She's like, God, why did you have me do that? He said, because I wanted to show you something. Not only is there going to be fruitfulness and health and harvest here, but there is also this evidence that there are those who are still in process here and I'm working with them. And then this other three are to tell you that there's a future. Now, it was after that that the Lord gave us a vision vision that this congregation would be raised up to be 150. And humanly speaking, that still looks really stupid to me to say that. Thus says the Lord, we're going to be 150 strong. <laughs> right. In this community, there's no way we're going to get 150 people to come here regularly. But that's not my worry and my concern. The Lord has declared it. And even if he's slow in my timetable of making it happen, he has declared it. So I need to persevere in my praying, saying, Lord God, you have declared it and I'm just declaring it again. That my faith and my hope and my trust is that you are going to increase this congregation to be 150. Not for my glory, but for yours. For the kingdom of God to be advanced in two rivers. For the word of God to get out into the lives of those people that are so damaged and broken and heartache and full of heartache. That they would then know the truth and that indeed the truth would set them free. And God, I'm just asking you to allow me to be here long enough to be part of it. And to see it happen. And I encourage each one of you to do the same thing. Not only with that promise, with whatever promise you know that you know that you know that God has given you. And there's one last thing I want to share with you before you leave. And that's this. Daniel chapter 10 verses 1 to 14. If you want to turn great, if not, I'll read it to you. But Daniel chapter 10 
verses 1 to 14 says, oh, come on, I keep passing it. There we go. Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation, which means a promise from God or a word from God, was given to Daniel. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. And the understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, nor wine touched my lips. I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the banks of the great river Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me didn't see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face suddenly turned pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. As I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep and my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up, trembling. And then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. What this is saying is that Daniel, a prophet of the living God, had received a vision from God, and he got on his face before God and spent 21 days pleading with God every single day, fasting and praying, God, what does this mean for the people? God, what am I supposed to tell the people about the vision? What does it mean? Over and over for 21 days, fasting and praying, asking God, persevering in prayer, not getting an answer, not getting an answer, not getting an answer, not getting an answer. And finally, after 21 days, finally the answer comes. And what is the answer? God heard you on the very first moment that you began to pray. And I was dispatched immediately. But... The enemy who has power over this area, because God has allowed him to have power over this area, fought against me for 21 days, prohibiting me from bringing the answer to you on the first day. So God then sent another angel to fight alongside me, and he took over the battle with the king who was over this air, so that I could finally get down to you, Daniel, and tell you the answer to your prayer. And you need to understand that we don't necessarily see it. But there is demonic activity, spiritual warfare going on all the time. And when God declares something's going to happen, the enemy says, "Uh uh-uh, not if I can help it. And they're going to do everything in their power to stop it, including discouraging you, including whispering lies to you, including telling you you didn't hear it right. You misunderstood. It wasn't God's plan for you. It didn't happen that way. Or if he really intended to happen, it would have happened by now. Or, well, you just don't have enough faith. Obviously, if you had more faith, you would have gotten what you prayed for. All of that are lies from the pit of hell. 
God has told us through his word that if you know his will and you do his will, he will bless you. He said in his word, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. He said, if you don't get it, maybe it's because you're asking in the wrong wrong way. So that's this idea of delayed answer. Search your heart. Say, God, examine me. Is there anything wrong? Have I offended you in some way? Am I gotten off the wrong track? If the answer is no, everything's right, then just press on, persevere, continue in prayer. Why? I don't know why he wants us to pray so that his will can be accomplished. I just know that he says he wants us to pray. So persevere in prayer. Continue to pray until either he says, enough, don't talk to me about this anymore. Or he says, Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. And someday you will see the answer. It may be 50 years from now. I may not be on this earth anymore. I may see it happen from the portals of heaven looking down. But it is going to happen if the Lord declared it. And I just need to be faithful to continue to pray, persevering through all of the stuff that comes. Until the day comes that God tells me to stop praying, he takes me home, or he brings about that which he's declared is going to happen. My job is to pray. Why? Because he told me to. That's all I can tell you. I don't know why. And that's what I I felt I needed to share with you guys this morning. So, we're going to take some time now to be quiet before God and to also take communion.